Greg, you muted. Oh, welcome to the Kings of the Kingdom. <laughs> welcome. Uh, muted, evidently. Um, uh, anyway, we're going to talk about the Keys of the Kingdom on Keys of the Kingdom, and we're going to talk to you about real answers that to help you understand the problems of the world today. I heard on the news just before we went on the air that uh, we're talking about numbers of kids, 8% or something, have actually physically hurt themselves in order to, not because it was suicidal, but because of the fact that they uh, uh, got a good feeling. Uh, they felt bad and they got a good feeling from actually hurting themselves, cutting themselves, rubbing, rubbing themselves to great energy uh, uh, an injury and uh, we're actually going to talk about why that is so and why that is dangerous and why you get to a place where people will actually do such things and the reason we're going to talk about it is so you can get back and step back away from those things that draw you into that self-destructive mode which many people have. I mean, right now in the military, there, according to some statistics, there are more soldiers dying from suicide than from enemy combatants. Uh, that's a remarkable statistic. It's almost uh, unimaginable to, that it's even true, but there's a huge rate of suicides among soldiers in Iraq and Iraq, American soldiers uh, killing themselves. Um, Something's wrong, and we can't just be treating the symptom. We've got to get to the cause. And so today we're going to talk about cult leaders and other politicians and priests. And, of course, on Blog Talk we gave you kind of a, a, a view of uh, where this uh, concept of cults and cult leaders and how far it goes. We talked about the definition of a cult being a specific system of religious worship, um, and especially in relationship to rites and deities. But there's multiple definitions. Other definitions talk about quasi-religious organizations using devious psychological techniques to gain and control adherence. And, of course, in governments today, governments of the past, governments over the history of mankind, uh, the citizens had uh, tremendous power exercised over their thinking by their leaders. Leaders could lead them into wars and holocausts and inquisition and terrible, terrible atrocities of man against man. It happens every day. If you go into government offices in any country in the world and you say, but this is 
some particular problem. This isn't fair. Why? It's the rule. Uh, the rule says, 92 says I have to do it this way and I can't do it any other way. But it doesn't make sense. I remember doing a contract job, a fencing job for the federal forestry. And I was pointing out the way you have this done, this fence is going to fall over. You, and they said, yeah, but the rule book says. And I said, yeah, but look, the rule book's wrong. Somebody printed a mistake here. Couldn't see the mistake. Couldn't see the problem. They actually eventually did admit that it's a problem. It was going to be a poor fence. It was going to fall over. It was, but they couldn't do anything about it because there it was in the rule. They had to do it according to the rules, even though they knew it was detrimental. It's like a typo, and you're going to do it anyway <laughs> because it's what's written. That's a mindless uh, following of rites and rituals. That is cultism, the bad concept of cultism, where uh, people follow loyally an idea. And to the point where they will injure other people, do damage to other people. And we were pointing out also that many of your cult leaders today of what they categorize as the top ten cult leaders are sociopaths. And sociopaths are people that don't have a conscience about doing evil to others, doing wrong, doing harm. Now, we were talking about those young kids who actually harm themselves, but uh, there are people out there that harm others and don't feel bad about it at all. And they harm them not out of vengeance or, or, or sudden rage or anger. They just harm them. And, you know, it doesn't mean anything. There's, there's a disconnect to other people. And it's funny they even call them sociopaths because they don't really care about society. They care about themselves. And now we can see the extreme cases of people who do this, and we say, oh, that's a sociopath. But the reality is in a vast majority of society, there's a element of that sociopath, an element of disconnect. And of course, this is one of the great evils of socialism is that disconnects you from the need of practicing things like charity and helping one another and doing acts of love and charity for one another because that's all taken care of over there in this other organization, this thing we call government. And when we were looking at uh, this idea of uh, cult and looking at the definition, we saw a social a group having an exclusive ideology and ritual practices. That means, you know, I'm going by the DMV rules. I, it doesn't make any sense, but that's the rule, so I have to do it this way. So they, that's their practices. That's their rituals and rites. So when they open up their rule book, that's their rituals and rites rule book. That's how they conduct themselves in their public service, helping one another. And it doesn't always help, but that doesn't matter. It sometimes hurts, but that doesn't matter. See, that's that element of sociopathy in 
in the individual bureaucrat, where he will cause people to lose their home, uh, lose their health, lose their uh, family, because the rule says, I mean, all across this country, widows and orphans lose their homes. I give you example after example. They don't talk about it in the news because it's not popular news item. They're, they're more interested in, in, in tabloid journalism than actually the fact that widows and orphans, their husband dies, they don't have the income, they can't make the payments, they can't pay the taxes, and the government comes in and takes their home away from them and puts them on welfare which is not charity either. It just takes them away. And we do this with no seeming conscience to the idea of doing this. And that's sociopathy. That's not having that conscience. So we'll go over the elements of sociopathy to give you an idea of what to look for, and then we'll also go over uh, the ten warning signs of a potential unsafe institution Ten warning signs regarding the people involved in such an institution, and you will be surprised at how this relates to many things that we don't think has anything to do with cultism, but has to do with everyday life in the world today. So, in those ten elements of sociopathy, we were talking about them on Blog Talk. Sociopaths are charming. Well. A lot of people don't think I'm very charming, so maybe I'm not a sociopath. The sociopaths have a high uh, element of charisma and tend to attract a following uh, just because uh, of the way in which they present themselves. Uh, there's a glow about them, and uh, people just you know, almost don't even hear what they're saying. They just want to be around them. And they draw these people in there. And, and you know, this is one of the elements that we'll see constantly throughout history where certain people were able to draw a following just because they had this charismatic appearance. Uh, sociopaths are more spontaneous and intense than other people. They, they think right off the cuff. Uh, they're very quick uh, in responding. Uh, they can tend to be bizarre, uh, sometimes erratic, but it's all forgiven because people have already focused on the individual. And this is, this is worship of an individual when you, you think there's no wrong. He is a great man and I want, I want to go see him and I want to, you know, touch him kind of thing. And of course we see that around Jesus Christ where people wanted to touch him. They wanted to go because because he was doing great things. I'm not sure how charismatic he was, but he certainly could draw in the crowds. But he could also dissipate those crowds rather quickly because of what he said. As we told you at the beginning of the show that we're going to talk to you about the truth and we're going to give you real answers, but these answers will only seem like real answers to people who can handle the truth. Because most people can't handle the truth. And that's why they look to people who offer them a lie. And that's one of the things in a cult leader is that they use deceptive means to get the adherent to be loyal to them. 
And some of those deceptive means are obviously deceptive, but people don't see them. It is a form of hypnosis, social hypnosis. Whole societies can be hypnotized. And when you do that, that whole society becomes subject to mass hysteria, where they're suddenly killing off a million people in their country. They're rounding them up and throwing them in jail, sending them to gulags, and allowing this to happen. Now, of course, only a small element of society is actually crating these people away, holding these people at gunpoint. But the same principle you see down at the DMV when the people are going to blindly follow the rules, or the Federal Forest Service, blindly follow the rules, even though they know, admit openly right there that this will cause a problem. They have to do that because that's their Bible. That's where their faith is at. That's where their allegiance is at. That is where their full faith and credit is invested. And and we see that this, if you look at it, um, the, one of the other news items that we're talking about is that... Uh, this whole idea of Ten Commandments being displayed. I don't really care whether you display them or not. I'd like you to follow them. But uh, that, you know, how you follow them, <laughs> that may take some definition. But uh, they're saying the decision as to whether whatever, whether uh, local county governments or state governments are going to be in trouble for doing something constitutional and counted it as unconstitutional will depend on what court you go into. And so one of the things that I always point out is that the New World Order is not all that new and it's not all that orderly. And if we go back to that definition of a cult, it says it uh, talks about sacred symbols and practices especially one characterized by a lack of organizational structure. Now, technically, governments all over the world are very organized, and in some ways they are, but the reality is you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, I know people dealing with INS issues and talked to an INS uh, lawyer who said, you know, this is what the law says, da 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 but what's going to happen depends on who you get when you go to the INS. You can get almost anything. You've seen the same story with the IRS. People uh, did a study where they had a particular, fairly simple question to ask about income tax uh, you know, matters and filling out the form. And so they went about calling uh, IRS services in places all over the United States and they got completely different answers time and time again. There was no real consistency on what was considered a fairly uh, simple, you know, income tax, fill out the form uh, question. That the New World Order is extremely unorderly, and you never know what you're going to get. Um, but this is not new. We can go back in ancient history and find this in Rome. We can find it in Greece. You can find it in throughout history that the more orderly they try to make things, the more disorderly they become. Tacitus, the more laws, the more corrupt society. What do they mean by corrupt? 
they're sociopathic. They don't have a conscience. They don't have, you know, elements of their perception is devoid of conscience. They don't see right and wrong. And we can take this all the way back to the beginning of mankind, at least according to the biblical reference, where you have Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. Adam and Eve decide to, to choose for themselves what is good and evil. They're going to make up their own mind as to what is good, what is good and what is evil. They're not going to eat of the tree of life. They're going to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I always thought it was funny when people talk about an apple tree. Well, where did that come from? Not in the biblical text, but they did. That's that's one of the first steps to get you away from what kind of a tree it really was. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what you are going to pick. You are going to choose what is good and evil. You are going to decide for yourself. You are going to depend upon a standard, a spiritual standard of right and wrong. And there is, and physics is discovering this, that there is a standard throughout the universe and throughout creation. But they would have you believe today there is no standards. There is no right and wrong. That's the modern education coming out. There is no right and wrong. It's what you feel at this given time. And it doesn't work that way. There is a standard. And they're getting away from that standard. And that's why the new world order is the old world chaos. But going back to Adam and Eve, that's what they were going to decide. And there were two sons, Cain and Abel. Abel had this sacrifice of the sheep. Sheep, if you understand sheep, sheep follow you. Sheep are submissive. Sheep, uh, I mean, there's some trickster sheep out there, too. <laughs> but, uh, basically, they are gregarious. You know, your range flock is gregarious sheep. They come together. They work together. They organize themselves naturally in the field. But Cain was a tiller of the soil. And it wasn't just soil. They used the actual word. There's several words in Hebrew for dirt, but they used the word Adama. Adama is what Cain was, what Adam and Eve were. They were Adama. That's what they were, Adam. And that's what Cain was killing. And that is what the word cult means. It means to kill, to cultivate. And Cain was the first cult leader, the starter of the first city-state. And he probably used devious means to gain the loyalty of his adherents, his citizens of the city-state that he formed. You don't see anybody starting city-states but men like Cain, Nimrod, Pharaoh, Caesar, and they all end up in chaos and death and murder and mayhem because people walk away from the tree of life that is going to show them good and evil and right and wrong, and they decide to decide for themselves. They choose to decide for themselves what is good and evil. And when you do that, you have multiple people you're going to have chaos. That is what you're going to produce. And so 
what kind of leaders do you end up with? What was Cain? Cain was a sociopath. He killed his brother, had no conscience about it. Am I my brother's keeper? He's the first sociopath and the first cult leader and the first politician <laughs> and the first government leader. So let's look at sociopaths. Uh, we're not going to get through with this whole thing, but we talked about a little bit of it. Sociopaths are charming. And in other words, they can they are seductive. They're ear ticklers. They get people's attention. They uh, get people to look to them. And the more charming an individual is, the more nervous you should be about, is this a sociopath? <laughs> And so you have to look at the other elements of sociopathy. Uh, sociopaths are more spontaneous and intense than other people. I assume that Cain, to some degree, was a little spontaneous when he clubbed his brother. Uh, sociopaths are incapable of feeling shame. He didn't feel guilty. You know, am I my brother's keeper? Uh, sociopaths seek to dominate others. And win at all costs, including bludgeoning you over the back of the head, lying to you, deceiving you, and uh, not willing to admit it. They hate to lose any argument or fight and will viciously defend uh, their web of lies, even to the point of logical absurdity actually even to the point of killing you when they see their losing power or they may lose that power because that's what they really want is power over you they would rather see you dead than to lose power over you and we see that in uh, a number of ways in our history where you have like Adolf Hitler fight to the last man no retreat die for your fear kind of concept and of course we had the same concept floating around on our side to some degree or another and that's the thing is that you know there are no good sides and evil sides in society there are sides that have good and evil on them there is the side of good, but that's not a matter of society. That is that is that basic quantum creative force of righteousness. That's what we're looking for. And finding that is a difficult thing. Uh, but it's a job that each of us must do. Do not expect somebody else to find out and then have, hand you the truth. You've got to look for yourself. You have to approach everything with critical thinking. So that, that fifth element of sociopaths is that they want to dominate. They want to win. And I've seen that competitive spirit, uh, and I won't go into those stories, but uh, the reality is is that you, you've seen it yourself. Uh, I've seen uh, where people are uh, at a picnic, people are playing uh, touch football with little kids. You had six-foot people playing with kids that were three-foot <laughs> and uh, they couldn't let the little kid win, some of them. Uh, I mean, I would 
chased the, the little kid who had the football, and I would run right behind him and, and just reach out and touch his shoulder as if I was going to stop him. <laughs> but he kept on going, but it made him run faster. But uh, other people there would actually tackle the little kid. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. I mean, they didn't hurt him, but they, they wouldn't let him get the touch down. That's competitive, and that's in a lot of people to one degree or another, and we should watch that. But anyway, there's a certain reason to talk about more sociopathic when we return. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com What year is it? The year of the Lord God the Pope? 2012 according to the Vatican's Gregorian calendar? Or 5940 since creation according to the Bible? Did you know that the Creator put a clear chronology from the creation in His Word? It is widely accepted that the millennial reign of Christ will be the Sabbath or seventh millennium from the creation. If this thesis holds true, then this clear chronology becomes very important. Is the seventh millennium imminent? Will there be a rapturous date? Or is it about 60 years off? See the clear evidence for yourself in the booklet, What Year Is It? We will send you the Greatest Prophecy DVD, the booklet, What Year Is It?, and a copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, The Inquisition, for a mere $5 shipping and handling cost. Any donation above that amount is appreciated. Send your $5 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, T-U-L-A-R-E, Tulare Avenue in Tulare, California, 93274. Again, send your cash support donation to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Or see the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com to send a check or money order. We are grateful to the Almighty for your support. The Greatest Prophecy DVD If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War? Or War of Federal Aggression. John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. 
Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Well, welcome back. We're talking about cults and cult leaders, and we have to talk about sociopaths because most dangerous cult leaders are sociopaths. And, of course, the reason that they attract the followers they do is because there's an element of being a sociopath in a lot of us. And why that is is what we're going to get into in the second half hour and where that comes from. I'm going to give you a number of examples. Uh, but let's finish some of the elements of a sociopath. He tends to be of higher intelligence. Uh, but he uses his brain, brain power to deceive others. That uh, that idea is important, but the reality is the element that makes him a sociopath is not that he has higher intelligence. That makes him a leader of sociopaths. A cult leader may have higher intelligence because he has to master the intelligence, but he is actually drawing to himself other sociopaths of a lesser degree, of a smaller uh, amount of intelligence, where they're beginning to control these other people. They're, you know, birds of a feather flock together. And so they need you to be a little bit of a sociopath. And remember, a sociopath is someone without conscience who can do harm to others, injure others, and not feel bad about it. And as I was saying, all socialists are sociopaths. They think it's okay to take from their neighbor for the benefit of others or themselves. They think that that's okay. Let's all have one purse. And they're greedy for gain. They want to have gain from at the expense of others for themselves. That's a sociopath approach to morality. They're not talking about killing anybody, but they are talking about taking away the life of someone without, you know, earning it or purchasing it or allowing him to choose that and to have that control over others. And he feels perfectly okay about it. It doesn't bother him at all and to the point where people are actually saying that Christ was a socialist. But Christ wasn't taking away from other people. He was actually restoring other people their rights, giving their rights back to them, allowing them the right to choose over their... That was one of the prophecies, that he was to return every man to his possession and every man to his family. But socialism, you don't have any possession. You don't have a right to anything. It all belongs to the collective. And then... Then you have to give power to somebody to take and distribute that wealth, what they call fairly or equally or progressively. And that's the antithesis of what Christ was doing. But anyway, and it requires, when you pick that leader of your socialist state, if he's a sociopath, 
he will pad his own life, his own power, because that's what he wants. He wants power, so he'll just create a system that gives him more and more power. And your structure will actually be less and less structure. And the very rules you claim to be bringing to the people, you will violate. And we'll see that in the top ten sociopaths. Sociopaths are self-serving. They're about themselves. And they don't care about others. They will feign love. They will feign compassion. But it's not real. Ultimately, it's about them. And anybody who is making choices based on their particular advantage, in other words, the antithesis of that is to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, or even more, where this is where you give get people who are willing to give up their life for others, and they will have life more abundant. So. The antithesis of that is those who want to take life from others will have less of a life. You know, it's, it's, it's simple science. If you give up your life, you have life more abundant. If that's true, then if you take life from others, you will have less life. And you, you yourself, and Proverbs 10, it goes into that, you know, it talks about having one purse being greedy for gain, let's play and wait privately for the blood of others, uh, privately, in other words, secretly, deceptively for the blood of others. And then they ask, is not the net spread before the bird and he's captured in it himself? They say it will be your blood that will be taken. And that's exactly what happens. And if these characteristics are a part of your personality, your corporeal and incorporeal hereditaments of personality, as I said, you're going to be moving in society in the direction of that cultism and that sociopathy where you are trapped yourself. And what should what you thought was going to be for your welfare has become a snare. Uh, sociopaths never apologize. Uh, they never apologize. They are never wrong. And if you accuse them of being wrong, they will go on the attack. They will attack you. The first thing out of their mouth will be some sort of ad hominem. You know, you're an idiot or something like that. Uh, they won't address the issue. They'll attack you. They'll put you down. Uh, sociopaths speak often very poetically. They don't stammer around and say, oh, like I do all the time. <laughs> uh, they're a master wordsmith. Uh, they, they don't make, uh, mistakes in their writings, uh, like I do all the time where, uh, I'm constantly putting the there that T-H-E-I-R instead of T-H-E-R-E -E and vice versa, or uh, uh, making these uh, dyslexic mistakes. They're very smooth. Uh, they can uh, deliver a running stream of, uh, of consciousness uh, response and are very almost hypnotic in the way they speak, which is really advantageous for politicians today on TV and, and radio where they deliver a 
speech with precision and, and people almost don't even hear the words because they hear the rhythm of the speech and uh, that's ultimately what a sociopath depends on in order to become that cult leader is that you don't actually listen to what he's saying you listen to the way he's saying it and he begins to control your thinking and he can say something that's absolutely absurd and people will just go along with it because it came out of his mouth. And they're used to letting him do their thinking. It's a tyranny of the mind. But people don't mind it because they don't really want to think themselves. They don't really want to see the truth for themselves. They don't want that spiritual objective thinking where you see yourself as you really are. This is why Adam and Eve hid immediately when they didn't depend on the tree of life but decided to decide for themselves what was good and evil they had to immediately hide from the light and that's what's kept us from getting back we have to be willing to see the light which means we have to be willing to see ourselves as we really are and sociopaths do not want to do that uh, so they're often delusional and literally believe that uh, if they say it, it's so. They begin, and, and part of that is, especially when they're a cult leader, is because people look up to them. This is one of the greatest disservices you can do to somebody, is to put them up on a pedestal. And, of course, nobody would put anybody up on a pedestal except we all kind of envy that pedestal. We do this with Hollywood movie stars all the time. We're always, you know, like... Because he's a Hollywood movie star, we should listen to his political opinion? Because he's an actor? You know, I was asked, uh, what's the difference between an actor and a liar? You know, there isn't <laughs> A good actor is a good liar. He can make you believe that what he's saying is real and he's only acting. And for some reason or other, we think that we should listen to an actor because... He's an actor. Uh, he doesn't have any more access to knowledge or understanding than anybody else. But yet we put them up on a pedestal, and we do the same thing with politicians. They, we obviously see this with royalty in England where they can have absolutely can't even govern their own lives, and people, oh, but it's the prince, it's the king, it's the queen. Uh... It's nobody. It's that why are you putting more importance on that individual than you are on any other individual? It, that is very unhealthy, but that is the soul syndrome. When you do that, you give them power and you corrupt them with power. We do the same thing with doctors. You know, if a doctor says it, oh, it must be so. You know, like I always thought it was funny. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. And then they proceed to give you medical advice, and you actually believe them. You actually listen. Like, with, with an ear that gives them more uh, credence or credulity, well, you believe them more because they're wearing a white coat or whatever. And you're giving people power when you do that, and we know the power corrupts, so don't do that. And that's the Saul syndrome, is that... Paul, Paul was a great guy, and then they gave him power, made him king, and it corrupted him. 
So uh, there's a fellow named Rick Lutz who's an expert uh, consultant in the intervention uh, of cults and people who get involved in cults and stuff. And so he's made a list of the 10 warning signs of potentially unsafe group leaders. And so we're going to go down that. Now, we're often accused of being in a cult because of the fact that we are a little different than somebody else. And that's one of those catch things where, oh, sounds like a cult. Sounds like a cult. Well, I tried to give you the idea that almost any political party has elements of being a cult. If you're voting for a particular candidate because he's a Republican, even though you look at the individual candidate, he doesn't have Republican values. He doesn't vote Republican. He doesn't even uh, have conservative principles. But he's a Republican, so you're going to vote for him. That's elements of a cult. You're going to follow him, even though you know that he is going to do contrary to what you think is right, but you're going to support him because he's a Republican or a Democrat. And then why are your values so different? Somebody's got to be missing. You can't both be right. You, somebody has to be wrong. Somebody has to be in error. Uh, somebody has to be going down a path that is not as good as the other. Now, the, the truth is they may both be in error. In the same way with religion. If you have 40,000 denominations, Somebody's wrong. And the fact is, if you have 40,000 people, you're going to have 40,000 opinions. Some of those opinions are going to be very close to each other. Some of them will be close to the truth. But that's the job of every individual to find the truth. And it's absolutely essential that whenever you look at any group, that you bring to the situation, to the observation, critical thinking. And that's what we're going to go over, some of the things to look for. Uh, in any group, is there absolute authoritarianism without meaningful accountability? There needs to be accountability. And, of course, in your, what our, I'm not going to say the organization, because we're not really an organization, but we are organized or seeking to be organized. But we are organizing ourselves from the bottom up, so it's not an organization from the top down. But there needs to be accountability, and of course we show you then the tens, hundreds, and thousands, ten elders of family, accountable to their wife and to their children, and, you know, their family, because you're returning every man to his possessions and to his family. He's accountable to his family, because he's got to do right by them. But those ten men pick or ten heads of families, they pick a minister to be their minister, their public servant. He's accountable to them. They can fire him any time, not collectively, individually, because they picked him individually. This is grassroots. This is what I mean by grassroots. You pick him, and he becomes your minister. You have licensed him. You have given him the power to minister to you. And you give him the means by which to do that. You contribute to him. 
That's your tithing, your taxes. He's not taxing you. You tax yourself. You give to him. He is accountable to you. You give him money to help the widows and orphans. You want to know. You have to check on him to see, is he really doing the job? And that's your responsibility. So there's an extreme accountability. And then, of course, when he picks the minister, it's the same thing. Uh, you have this idea of accountability throughout this entire network, this chain of authentication. You pick a minister, he picks a minister. He wants to make sure his minister is doing right, that he is doing a good job of connecting him with the other nine ministers in his congregation of ministers. So from the very outset, there is no, the authority remains with the individual elder in the family. And that authority is based upon responsibility to the family. And so he's accountable to his family, uh, his minister's accountable to him, and his minister's minister's accountable to him. So accountability is at the core of everything we're doing. So we don't match up there for the warning side. And second one, no tolerance for questions or critical inquiries. In the second half of the show, we're going to let you call in with any kind of critical inquiry you want. I'm always challenging people. Don't believe me. Challenge me. If I'm wrong, show me. I want to know what's true. And I, I could be wrong. And every one of you should have that same attitude also. That you, you have confidence in what you believe, but you're willing to listen to others if they have something contrary. But when they want to speak about something contrary to what you believe, they need to come up with facts and information and stick, stick to the point, not jump all over the place. No meaningful financial disclosure regarding budget expenses such as an independently audited financial statement. Uh, you know, we, you know, I'm, I'm a world's worst bookkeeper, but we do keep records. And that is one of the paramount elements of all his church groups is, uh, Article 16 and 17, or Section 16 and 17 of the guidelines state that all ministers have to keep records. And, if they don't keep records, there's an overseer that you also pick that needs to withdraw his recognition. Everything is based on recognition. But records are essential. If someone gives you funds, you have to make an accounting of those funds and where they went to. How can that elder know you're doing a good job if you don't make an accounting? And we can see the atrocities all throughout religion today where somebody goes around and collecting money for orphans in Africa and ends up he collected over a million dollars and not one dime ever went to any orphan in Africa. And nobody was checking. He'd go from church to church and they would just give him money and there was no oversight. And what we're doing is absolutely critical oversight. And... Uh, you are to both be examining that minister's 
job from the bottom and from the top. And the top is simply the top servant of servant of servant. Christ clearly laid out the organization. He is to be greatest among you, so evidently there are to be greatest among you, is to be servant to all. The best servant of servants of servants of servants. Not the best rulers of rulers. The absolute antithesis of a sociopath. The one you're picking is the one who has the greatest conscience, the greatest desire to serve. It's, it's actually we're turning the world upside down. And the whole world is actually in a cult. It's in a Canaanite cult where people are possessions of the government. They are servants of the government. They are human resources of the government, whether it's religions or actual political governments. It's how they govern themselves. We're the reverse. If you're going to be in the kingdom of God, you have to accept absolute total responsibility for what you do. If you give funds to your minister, you want him to be accountable to you as to what he does with those funds. Now, if it's bookkeeping, fine. But you want to see what he's doing. What's he, what's he doing for you? What's he doing for others? Because at the basis of what you're doing when you form this organization is love. Not for yourself, but for others. Sociopaths get power because you go to his group because you love yourself. <laughs> you want something for yourself. He makes you feel good. He makes you feel like you belong. We don't want to make you feel good. We would like to help you do good. Not say you're good, say you believe, but actually do the will of the Father, which is to love one another, give life, etc. So we absolutely demand absolute financial disclosure. Unreasonable fear about outside worlds, such as impending catastrophes, evil conspiracies, and persecutions. Well, there's certainly the potential for catastrophes, and we talk about it occasionally, but we warn you that we do not want to be talking gloom and doom. But we also want to be wisely prepared. But we know that wisely prepared is to be individually prepared. Prepared not only to save yourself, but to save others. The best way to save yourself is to focus on how you can save others. And if you don't focus on that, you're not worth saving anyway. So, uh, there's no legitimate reason to leave. Former followers are always wrong in leaving negative or even evil. You should leave anytime you want. Anytime you think we don't want you bound here by any shape or form except what you want. We want, this is the perfect law of liberty. Come and go as you wish. But don't always expect to be received if you come back because we may lose a certain amount of trust in you because trust has to do with loyalty. But loyalty is not to the individual. Loyalty is to righteousness. If you see any of us doing unrighteously, call us out on it. That is to be expected. That is a responsibility. Again, back, you have to take back your responsibility. A lot of these cults, they want you to get into a relationship where, oh, we take care of everything. Oh, we have this 
you know, uh, place and everything will be taken care of and we all take care of each other, etc. And that gets into some of the other, uh, I don't know, said. former members often relate the same stories of abuse and reflect a similar pattern of grievances. And I don't, I don't know that we have any of those. Uh, we encourage people that people that once were with us and, uh, have gone their own way, we like to keep an eye on them. Because we feel like we have a certain responsibility because they were with us for a while and, you know, so we, we do keep an eye on, make sure that things are okay and, and, and that sort of thing. But if they want to leave, they're free to leave. Uh, followers feel they can never be good enough. Well, we could probably never be good enough, but you're good enough for me. <laughs> we take people, uh, you know, accept people all the time with all kinds of problems and difficulties. Uh, but we'll return to Key Drink Kingdom after a few words and we'll explore this in greater depth. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at libertyradiolive.com for only $45 a month. And you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all the First Amendment Rights Media Group programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you can request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $20. For any single program on tape, MP3 CD or CD for only $15. You can do all this online at LibertyRadioLive.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at the First Amendment Rights Media Group. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're talking about cults and cultism and sociopaths, which are often the leaders of cults, and how we're not always as removed from the concept of a cult as we would like to think. We often see people saying, 
looking, you know, holding up the most wicked individual they can imagine, you know, rapists, murderers, etc., and say, this is wicked. But the reality is that wicked is, is a precept. Wicked is a rejection of the precepts of God, whatever those precepts are. And a lot of people have opinions as to the precepts of God. I just got an email during the break from uh, uh, a fairly famous uh, former pastor uh, who is out there restoring America, and his idea of the solution that Christians should all be following uh, is that they should be getting out there and voting. Uh, that that is the salvation of America, is that we get out there and vote in Christian leaders. That's like, but it was the voice of the people that uh, voting for a leader that was called a rejection of God in the Old Testament. And certainly Christ didn't come to get out the vote. You know, the fact is we have a choice to make. And this is what the kingdom of God is really all about, is that your choice is who will be your government minister, not your ruler. That's cultism. That's You're going to end up with a sociopath. To find, you know, sue over us is a rejection. And even the Constitution, if you read Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions, you will see that that Constitution violates all or four of the five precepts that you were to have in a Constitution are missing in the Constitution of the United States. Only one precept that you were to include in your Constitution, according to the Bible, is actually in the Constitution, and that is that you cannot elect a foreigner. <laughs> and so they evidently don't care about that. Um, so, you know, we, and he wants to restore that. And he wants to, you to do it by getting out there and the voice of the people electing the soul of their choice. But it, that will lead you to chaos. That will lead you to a cult. That will lead you to loyalty to uh, men instead of loyalty to righteousness. And that's what Christ said. He didn't say get out the boat. He said seek righteousness of God. And it is not righteous to want to rule over your neighbor or to choose a ruler to be a ruler over your neighbor. You're spinning your wheels in that avenue of pursuit. I don't mind if you go out and vote. Go ahead and go out and vote. I don't mind if you go to other churches. I don't. I, I think that I encourage it. Uh, you may be the only person coming to that church with objective thinking because they've already accepted a belief they've already joined the cult of that church and their church is right you know their synod is right and the other synods are wrong so anyway the, going back to the 10 things to to warning signs he says uh, uh, There'll be records, books, news articles, television programs that document the abuses of the group and leader. Well, that isn't always the case. Uh, small cult groups don't necessarily have that coverage, and you may be one of the forerunners in the cult group, so don't just depend on that. He says followers feel they can never 
be good enough and and uh, we were talking about that this idea of being good enough we are to be seeking the righteousness of God but it actually could be part of a cult to think that you're already saved that you're already good enough that you're already accepted no matter what you do or say or anything which is contrary to what Christ said not those who say Lord Lord but those who do with the will of the Father uh, which son was the son? The son who didn't do the will of the father or the son who did? Uh, the prodigal son, he, when he returned to do the will of the father and serve the father, then he was saved. If you don't forgive, neither will you be forgiven. Common theme of Christ. But in modern Christianity, you're saved because you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, if you really have accepted him, maybe, but a lot of people are saying that. And they haven't really accepted him. Their faith in him is a lie. And we know it's a lie because the works that they do are contrary to the works of Christ. They're still not keeping the Ten Commandments. They're still coveting their neighbor's goods to the agency of government that they elect for themselves in rejection of God. So uh, we're to seek righteousness. And if we're doing wrong, we should rebuke one another, but not to put one another down, but to build one another up. Reprove, not abuse. Uh, that's a, a very important element of cults and cult leaders is that they're always putting people down. And uh, we're about forgiveness. Yeah, you did wrong, but we forgive you. Let's go on from there. Let's do better. Uh, the group leader is always right. Probably not. <laughs> but uh, they like to think that they're always right. And they're an authority. They're telling you, I think you should be able to speak to anybody about what you think is right. And if your church is not letting you speak up, and I've seen this in a lot of not cult churches, supposedly, where the pastor, no, I'm right, and this is it, and they hold up the Bible. Bible says so. Well, the Bible says a lot of things, and they may be over-applying or misconstruing or misapplying what it says in the Bible. So the fact is, is in a healthy church, everybody should sit down and have a different opinion about many different scriptures and be able to voice that opinion without ridicule and abuse. That's a healthy church. Because in that environment, you can work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not fear and trembling of each other, but fear and trembling of God. And if someone's espousing a particular religious belief that you think is not right, maybe heresy even, you should be able to speak up and say, you know, I think that's wrong. I think that's contrary to the truth and I don't go along with that and this is why da, 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 da. and they should be able to counter that in a healthy discussion and one of you is probably wrong it could be that both of you are wrong but at least you're willing to express those opinions openly and consider and contemplate and exercise that critical thinking that is so necessary. 
If you don't have that, whether it be your leader who's oppressing you or your fellow uh, members who are oppressing you, then you're in a dangerous situation because that's what many cult leaders, the really good cult leaders, they don't sit up there and badmouth you, but they frown. And then everybody else tries to put you down. I, I've had that experience in uh, the church where I was brought up where uh, the minister wasn't going to put me down, but he tried to get everybody else to put me down. And it didn't work, but uh, I had contrary ideas. But I was confident, and God gave me the confidence to speak up. And you should be able to have that. And if you feel oppressed where you're afraid to speak up, and, you got, and, and whoever you're gathering with, that's a dangerous sign. You should be able to speak freely. There's freedom of speech in the kingdom of God. Because without that, you can't develop the critical thinking to seek the righteousness of God and to listen to every side. And don't let anyone dominate entirely. The, the group leader is an exclusive means of knowing the truth or receiving validation. No other process of discovery is really acceptable or credible. Well, next week we're going to have a number of different people who would be considered leaders. Uh, they don't exercise authority, but they will be uh, the different public servants of our congregation and free assemblies. And they will be on the radio show next week, and you can call them up and talk to them and uh, challenge them. And in the last half hour, we're going to let you call up and challenge me. But here's the ten warning signs regarding people involved in uh, or with potentially unsafe group leaders. Now, almost none of the ones of the previous ten apply to us, and I challenge anybody to show me where it does. Extreme obsession regarding the group leader resulting in the exclusion of almost every practical consideration. I don't think we have that. Individual identity. The group, the leader, and or God as distinct and separate categories of existence become increasingly blurred. Now, we want the individual to stand up. Remember, we're always saying, you don't take your responsibilities back, you won't have your rights back. So we want those individuals. Again, that grassroots, those ten elders are taking on the responsibility of caring for one another, empowering the minister to serve, not to rule, is an absolute essential. Can you imagine the character of the men who could form a whole nation like that? It would deplete every nation around it of those characters uh, and of men of character and virtue would be all gathering in what they call the kingdom of God. This is leading to the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, but the raising of the kingdom of God throughout Europe for almost a thousand years. But Athe and the unchained demons of the world eventually crowned themselves and began to rule over people again. Because, and now we, at this weakened state, must repent, turn around, and go back. We are, we are like the Israelites leaving Egypt, incapable of ruling themselves. We're going to need divine guidance. 
and it isn't going to come from me to you. It's going to come from God to you and you to your ministers and your ministers to their ministers. Empower them to serve. Don't empower them to rule. Don't elect rulers. Elect men who lead you in service to one another. I, I just am staggered at the idea of people saying, oh, that was a great service today. And they're talking about going to church and singing or, or preaching. That's not service. Service is actual service. When did service become singing? Service is actually service to one another. In the early church, they were handing out sacks of bread, not wafers set on your tongue. They were actually taking care of one another. You don't do that in church. You do that in your church of the holy politician. That's where you do that. That's where you practice your religion. Your, your churches have become sociopath clubs social clubs where these guys make you feel justified in the fact that you've been coveting your neighbor's goods all week. Uh, whenever a group leader is criticized or questioned, uh, it is characterized as persecution. Now, I know uh, some guys who are somewhat cultish in their religious organizations and and uh, they they talk about new members coming in as heroes but going from hero to zero and we, we that is a really unhealthy thing you no one's a hero we all come together in humility no one you know one guy may have more knowledge about mechanics another guy have more knowledge about uh, chemistry, another one about electricity, another one has knowledge of uh, biblical quotes and, and verses and chapters. Each of these are skills, but it's the knowledge of God and the righteousness of God and the precepts of God that are going to be key. So nobody should be persecuted and nobody should be put down for uh, questioning anybody. Everybody has a right to question. Again, freedom of speech in the kingdom of God. Uncharacteristically stilted and seemingly programmed conversations and mannerisms, cloning of the group leader in uh, personal behavior. In other words, uh, you know, they, I always cringe at this when I hear one of the other uh, ministers, contact ministers, or somebody quoting me, and you know, they're saying something that I have said and I know I've said, and I, I love it when I see them put it into their own words, and that's very important. I understand there's a certain amount of memorization, and sometimes somebody will say something that it's just harder to say it better any other way, and so they're going to quote that individual or you know, say the same thing. They may not say quote, unquote, but they're going to say the same phrase or word, and that's understandable, but it's very important that each individual begin to seek that righteousness on their own and put things in their own words. But also very important that we have this healthy back-and-forth discussion, willing to say, no, I don't like it when you say that. No, 
I don't like it the way you say that. No, I wouldn't say that that way. Back, well, how would you say it? Well, what do you think we should do here? That people are asking for each other's opinion. And yes, those opinions are going to differ, but that's healthy discussion. And yes, it will sometimes be passionate, so it will sound like an argument. But that's, that can be very healthy. What is really unhealthy is nobody wants to bring up anything controversial. And we just follow the party line. That's unhealthy. And we should avoid that. Uh, hyperactivity centered on the group leader agenda, which seems uh, to supersede any personal goals or individual interests. Hyperactivity, uh, we haven't seen a lot of that, but uh, this idea of personal goals, I'm, we're constantly saying that. What do you want to do? People are coming, what should I do? I say, I don't know what you should do. What do you want to do? What do you think God is telling you? That's very important, and your minister should be asking that all the time. And the fact is, some of you aren't even listening to God, and you've never even considered that. You think you already know what God wants because you went and studied it in a book, or you imagined it. But the fact is, each day, each of us must constantly be critical thinking about our own personal leadership of ourselves. What, where are you going? Who is leading you? Are you being let off like Adam was let off, like Cain was let off? Another characteristic, a dramatic loss of spontaneity and sense of humor. Well, you know, I encourage the sense of humor. <laughs> you know, a lot of times I'll throw out things that some of you are, are maybe a little bit too much of a sense of humor. <laughs> uh, and people don't always get it. But... Uh, that's very important. We're just folks. We're just like anybody else. We have our good days, our bad days. We have our ideas and our false ideas. And we are in error and we're right. And we're all these complicated, mixed up sort of things. But we're living, breathing souls working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Seeking the righteousness of God. Seeking to be ruled by God, not by ourselves. Not eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil which is what you see when people start creating doctrines and and mindless rituals, you're getting away from the spontaneity of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you're getting away from objective thinking, critical thinking. And you have to be questioning yourself, questioning others, uh, re-examining yourself on a regular basis. Another characteristic is anything the group leader does uh, can be justified no matter how harsh or harmful. And I will show you in the, the top ten uh, uh, cults how bad this has gotten. Former followers are at best considered negative or worse evil and under bad influence. They cannot be trusted uh, and personal contact is to be avoided. That, we don't have any of that. Uh, we're not interested in any of that. And the fact is, is that sometimes they will avoid us, but we're not avoiding anybody. Uh, the other word that's probably key in that is followers. 
we don't want you following this group. We don't want you following His Holy Church. We want you following God. We're just men like anybody else, and we're seeking to know what God's will is. And we need your help and your critical thinking about us as much as you may need ours. We point out how a lot of people are wrong and confused. And and uh, I can see a very good letter being written back to this minister who thinks that uh, I, will, I can't read the letter because of the fact that <laughs> there's some personal items in it. But uh, anyway, uh, hopefully we'll see if we can't crack his shell, and I'll challenge his thinking. Uh, Ten signs of a safe group leader. A safe group leader will answer your questions without becoming judgmental and punitive. He won't be all ad hominem. He will try to answer your question. Sometimes he'll answer them with another question because you may not have asked the best question. He's trying to get you to the point where he's really coming from, and you need to listen back and forth with that critical thinking. Safe group leaders will disclose information such as finances often offer an independent audit. We actually had to do an audit of one of our churches, and they said they wanted an independent audit. I said, well, who's going to pay for that independent audit? So we got somebody else who was, uh, who was a part of the church but not a part of that congregation to do the audit. And it was extensive because... That individual did not keep books, didn't have records, so we had to reconstruct the information. Uh, it was extremely time-consuming. Time uh, we're talking 100 hours or more uh, of time went into trying to reconstruct those books, and then we withdrew recognition of that congregation and that minister because of the fact that they didn't keep books. Very important. Um, a safe group leader is often democratic, sharing decision-making and encouraging uh, accountability and oversight. Now, I don't go along with the word democratic, and that's another long story, but uh, we, uh, we do encourage a kind of democracy in the sense that you make your decisions. We want the individual elders making their individual decisions in relationship to who their minister is going to be, what they're going to give that minister, how they're going to share with that minister, how they're going to support that minister. Everything is back grassroots here. We have no power. See, what happens is when you choose a minister and you give him the power to tell you and your neighbor, when you give him the power to force your neighbor to contribute his fair share, You've just joined the church contrary to Christ. And you're you're in a religion that exercises authority one over the other. That's your church. That's your religion. That's going to take care of the needy of your society. We're, we're the guys who say that power is in your hands, in your family's hands. You decide who your minister is going to be. You elect him by electing to support him. We talk about supporting candidates for presidency or prime ministers or this party or that party in whatever country you're in. That's your election to support them. But when you elect them, they get to force you to support them after that. 
That's cult. That's where you don't have the power to choose. You don't have the power of critical thinking anymore. You have to support. You're an adherent. They have control. You're in a cult. Almost every government in the world today is a cult. And those politicians are cult leaders. We don't do that. We're absolutely the reverse. We're upside down from that. Faith group leaders may have a disgruntled former follower, but uh, will not vilify, excommunicate, forbid others from associating with We never do that. Absolutely, we never do that. Faith group leaders, we don't have the power. We don't have the authority. Faith group leaders will not have a paper trail of overwhelming negative records. And again, be forewarned, that may not exist yet in some of these leaders. But uh, there's an overwhelming paper record of what centralized governments have done that killed more people than any other source uh, throughout the last millennium. Uh, faith group leaders will encourage family communications, community interaction, ex uh, and existing friendships and not feel threatened. Absolutely, 100%. Like I said, you may be the only one who can bring truth to your family and friends. So we encourage that. And besides that, if, if what you're discovering is truth, why would you want to abandon your existing friends or even your existing church? You know, we may get you kicked out because you're saying too much truth and they can't handle the truth, but that that's their choice. We don't tell you to get away from them. I mean, there are certain things, you know, if your friends are all drug addicts and alcoholics, well, maybe you better step back from that if you have a problem with drugs and alcohol. But once you overcome that, uh, we don't we don't want you to stay away at that point. <laughs> Safe group leaders will encourage critical thinking. That's what I've been talking about all last hour and a half. Uh, individual autonomy and the feeling of self-esteem. Self-esteem comes from when you start taking back your responsibilities. That's where your real self-esteem comes from. A safe group leader will admit failings and mistakes and accept constructive criticism and advice. And I believe I do that. And I hope that every other leader, because that's the thing is we don't have a central leader here. We have all sorts of leaders because we're trying to get you to start leading yourself on an individual basis. Uh, safe group leaders will excluding everyone else but value dialogue and free exchange of ideas and you'll see that next week you certainly see it in the books because we have hundreds and hundreds of footnotes in our books and articles where we want you to look up other sources we don't want there's one heaven as a group, and I don't usually mention names, but I noticed that they've got all kinds of outlandish claims on their website. No footnotes. Where do you get this stuff? You know, the, the history of this and history of that and all this stuff, but they don't have any footnotes. Where'd you get that? You know, we have the footnotes, so you can check us out. And if, if our information is wrong, and occasionally we found that, uh, there was a mistake in one of the books. I mean, actual, you know, I was attributing an event to one man that actually was another man in, in the book, 
I must have had, you know, a senior moment when I wrote that. <laughs> and the guy caught it and pointed it out, and we fixed that. And that's great. We're always looking for criticism. I, I, it actually bothers me when I find a typo on something that I know thousands of people have read and nobody's ever pointed out. You made a mistake here. Tell us. We want to know. So anyway, we're at the end of those ten things, and we're also at the end of another half hour, but when we return, you can call in and give us heck at Keys to the Kingdom, <laughs> and uh, I'll give you that phone number to call, 559-726-1300, and you'll need 795-132. We'll give it to you. When we get, when we return right away, we'll get a few things that come from the paper uh, in a few moments. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment rights media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator for His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar's. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have 
for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So what we've been talking about is cults and sociopaths, and there's a lot more sociopaths out there than you probably thought about. As a matter of fact, most sociopaths gain power because they appeal to the sociopath in each of you. And that's where you always hear about uh, the con man appeals to the con man in you in order to gain control. So the sociopath, what we're calling sociopath or the cult leaders are often sharp enough that they can manipulate you. You become the puppet of the puppeteer, and they get you outside of the realm of critical thinking, and they take away a certain element of your own individuality, and they can do this because you're willing to take away a little bit of the individuality of your neighbor, and you do this by coveting your neighbor's goods. That's one of the first elements that you do, is you covet their goods. You want them, whether it be rich or poor, to provide for your welfare and what should have been for your welfare becomes a snare. You are trapped in the net of your own making when you say, let's all have one first. And you become a part of a cult where critical thinking is out the door. Yes, now you have no conscience about forcing your neighbor. And you can have men every day busting into people's homes, taking their homes away, taking their land away, taking their house away, uh, enforcing them under fear to pay in X amount of dollars so that you can have your social welfare. And that's a sociopathic activity. And the whole nation is full of sociopaths. So, of course, you're going to end up with a supreme sociopath running your country because you create those leaders with the evil that's in your own heart. And so if you want a solution, the solution is not in voting. Voting, trying to pick another leader is a sociopath path. It is not the path of Christ. It is not the way. The way is to stop being a sociopath. Stop coveting your neighbor's goods. Start loving your neighbor. Start taking care of them and start forming congregations based on your desire to do for others, not to have others do for you. And do this on a face-to-face basis, on a local basis, where you actually start helping one another. And helping one another sometimes is telling one another the truth, saying, you know, you're a jerk, if that needs to be said. But I love you anyway. But I want you to know what you're doing is being a jerk. 
you're, what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is incorrect. And this is why. And I'm going to take the time to tell you why. Now, you may not start off with you're a jerk, but be willing to speak the truth to the individual and point out his error. And not to put him down, but to raise him up. And it's an error of society thinks that it's okay to take away from your neighbor, even if he's a rich man. Everybody should be secure in their own person. What they earn is theirs. And you should not be taking it away from others. And you shouldn't be desiring to take it. That's judgment on your part. That's, that's uh, anti-Christ. So anyway... Uh, I told you I'd give you the phone number. The phone number, if you're ready to write it down, if you want to call all this number. I'm always terrible at uh, listening to numbers and writing them down. Uh, I mean, I can't. If someone rattles off a license number, I forgot it instantly. <laughs> so the number is 559 559-726-1300. And uh, uh, you need another number, 795-132. That's going to be the code number you have to put in. Probably have to put a pound sign after that, 795-132, and that will connect you to this program. And I think you have to push star 6 in order if you have a question. Also, we have a chat room. Uh, if you're listening to this, you can get on the chat room. If you have a question, put a bunch of question marks by it, and... Somebody will try to moderate that and ask that question on the air for you because I can't see it. And uh, we'll try to answer your question. Uh, if there's been any questions, uh, our moderator can speak up and let me know. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, I told you I'd talk to you a little bit uh, about uh, top ten, uh, at least one list of the top ten cult leaders. And one of them is the Church of Bible Understanding. I never even heard of it. Uh, it's run by a former atheist who also was the former son of, or I guess he was the son of a Presbyterian minister. Uh, and he also was a vacuum repairman. His name is uh, Stuart uh, Trail, or Trail, uh, and he thinks he's the incarnation of Elijah. Uh, and he requires about 90% of your income uh, to become a member of his church. And um, uh, they have, a, uh, supposedly, this is one of the harshest ones. They call them uh, Kobu, uh, Church of Bible Understanding, I guess is what that stands for. Uh, but it's supposed to, and, and it has groups all over the country, Haiti uh, missions, and it takes government funds to support it. President Bush faith-based uh, uh, initiative is uh, part of, uh, has, you know, listed them and supported them. But it's supposed to be one of the worst. I, I really can't tell you much more about it, but uh, he's supposed to be very controlling, one of the best at controlling the minds of his followers. And number two is uh, Charles Manson and the Manson family, which really wasn't a religious cult, although there probably were religious elements to it. Uh, Charles Manson, uh, I know a little bit more about his background than the other guys. 
but you know his mother sold him when he was an infant uh, in order to get money to buy beer. Uh, she turned him over to other people to raise eventually when she did get him back. Uh, and of course, when he finally got his little group going, consisting of a lot of women, uh, he called it the family. And uh, you know he he had a you know, they ended up killing people and uh, murdering people, extreme loyalty of his followers. Uh, but it was a very small group, but uh, very powerful. Then there's a guy in Japan, uh, Aung Shinrikyo, or Shinrikyo. Uh, and they, of course, they, they're the ones who made this SARS gas that was released in a tunnel and injured all kinds of people and killed some people. Uh, there's a movement for the restoration of the Ten Commandments. Now, this is in Uganda, and they had a, uh, you know, they were supposedly restoring the Ten Commandments. People, uh, people would become, they would even avoid talking because they might bear false witness. And so they were being extremely strict, talking about an apocalypse, how they would be the guys afterwards. Well, they, they found 800 to 1,000 bodies buried at one of their uh, location uh, and may have m murdered quite a few people. Uh, there were 300 followers that died in some sort of uh, kind of mass suicide. Um, so the, there was that group. Uh, there's another group, uh, the Realism, which is actually kind of a UFO group, uh, advocated uh, free love. Another thing that you would want to watch out for, uh, where they lack this moral standard. And this is often what happens. And again, this idea of giving power to individuals in these cults, or they're calling cults, is just giving power to an individual who's corrupted by the power you've given him. And if anybody comes along and questions him, that uh, his position, he feels attacked. We see this with Saul. Perfect example. Saul admired David, but then he saw that he was threatened. His position was threatened by David simply because people were starting to look up to David, and so he tries to kill David because he is corrupted by the power. He becomes addicted to it like a drug. We do this every day in politics. You want me to vote or support a candidate? I would be giving him power, and that is very dangerous. Very few men can withstand that power, and you should not be giving power to your ministers. You empower them to serve, not to rule. They rule over what you give them, but not over you. Big difference, big difference. That is Christianity. Uh if you're not doing that, you're not following Christ. Uh, they list Scientology as a cult. I'm sure there are a lot of people who will be objecting to that. But uh, also the Order of the Solar Temple, which is, uh, I think, started in France. Uh, and they have thousands of followers, uh, at least at one time. And they've turned over millions and millions of dollars to these leaders. Uh, who are doing anything but taking people out of critical thinking and getting them to follow. Oh, there's this uh, certain 
element in our minds where we want to find someone who just has all the answers. It's that edge. And that, that one of the unhealthy beginnings of this is like everybody's in love with uh, Book of Revelation because it's about prophecy, about the future. And if you know the future, you have an edge. And so people are always looking for an edge. Uh, an edge against what? Aren't you led daily by the Holy Spirit? Why do you need an edge? And that's what these cult leaders are. They want to believe that they know something that nobody else knows, and they give them power. And it makes them feel like they've got that edge. You know, because we've got, you know, Reverend Sun Yun Moon, or we've got this prophet or that prophet, and he's going to guide us to safety. This is making Christ the men. Christ needs to anoint you in your heart. You need to make those choices. You need to make those decisions. And this is why, you know, one of the things that uh, is holding back the network is the fact that you have to take responsibility. And everybody's kind of waiting for everybody else to, well, who's going to be in charge? You're in charge. You're in charge of you. Now you have to come together with other people, letting them be in charge of them, but working together as a team. Now it'd be really easy if I could say, here's a log on the ground, we all have to pick this up together and carry it over here. And we see the need, that log has to go over there to make a bridge or whatever it is. We all see that. I don't even have to say anything. If everybody goes over and somebody's trying to pick it up and everybody says, oh, well, he can't pick that up, and they run over to help them. You see, there's the motivation to go and help others do what you know needs to be done. You voluntarily do it. They call that anarchism. There's no authority. You're the authority of yourself. But you come together with others who are the authority of themselves, and you work together, you pick it up together. That's anarchism. That's order. And that's where real order comes from. If you have, if you pick a leader, he's going to order everybody to pick it up. You're going to have chaos. You're not going to have teamwork. You're not going to have harmony. And so that's where you have to go. That's where you have to be, is in that voluntary society where you actually get together. And you don't have to start big. Seven people. Start giving. There's got to be somebody in your group that has some need. And you gather together and you put together a certain amount of money and you give it to your minister to take care of that need. And you support your minister, but it takes them a lot of time to do that. And that person may say, I don't really need this. I don't need this help that much. Well, you gave them the help. Now they can do what they want with it. They can give it away to somebody else. But it starts that flow of giving. Giving up your life. In a snare of charity. That you may have life more abundant. Not a snare of taking. It's the antithesis. Socialism is the antithesis of Christ. It's not about what you can get. It's about what you can give. And you cast your bread upon the waters. You give it away. 
to somebody else. And if they feel guilty about receiving it, they can give it away. They can become participators in giving, like the guy in the ditch. And the Samaritan helps him out and nurses him back to health. Did that man learn to give too? Did he say, you know, somebody help me when I needed help. I need to help somebody else when they need help. And you're changing the flow of sucking life out of the ones next to you. This is what cutters, which is where we started talking, cutters and people who injure themselves are doing. They feel alive as they see life flowing out of them. But it's degenerative. It will deplete them. You need to give of yourself and start that flow from inside out. And then more will come. And it's the antithesis of cultism. It's the antithesis of government today in the world. It's Governments always want it this way. I'm not against government. I'm, I'm for a government that empowers the individual to be responsible for himself. And that individual in virtue gives to others in need within their community. In order to do that effectively, you need to network. You need to look outside of your own little world, your own little home, your own little living room. And the way to do that efficiently is to do that as a team. Look out. Look out amongst yourselves. Find men you trust and support them in a viable necker, uh, Well, you know, this is my minister. And this is his minister. And these are the ministers who are congregating together. And we are the ones who are watching out for each of us. And we're watching out to see that we don't have physical needs, that we don't have spiritual needs that go unattended, that we don't have needs of knowledge and understanding that go unattended. We share information. So his holy church is the antithesis of all cults. We're not his holy church. We're just people seeking to be this holy church. And you're either doing that too or you're going off doing something else. So we've only got about nine minutes left and I guess the phone's not ringing off the wall. <laughs> no, but there's, there's a question a in the chat room. Is there? Yeah. He says, uh, Brother Gregory, does voting for politicians of the world equate to believing in or giving power to cult leaders? Uh, well, it certainly could. Uh, you know, there could be some politicians out there that want you to take back your responsibilities. And, they're, you know, I mean, Ron Paul sounds like kind of a guy who does that. I'm not advocating vote for Ron Paul. Uh, that's your choice. But the reality is, is the... In the structure of almost every government today, those are institutions of power and control. And so anybody you vote for, you're voting to give him that power and control. And if you're voting for a Saul, who is a great guy, and, you know, there could be lots of politicians out there that could be great guys, you're tempting him with that power. And 
but if that's where you're at right now, I'm not saying don't do that. I'm not, I don't want you following my regulations or my ideas, but realize the principles involved that whenever you give power to somebody, you're tempting them. And the office of presidency or prime minister of England or, or wherever you have a vote, those are offices of power. And the solution will not be found in electing men to offices of power. What will result in that is that men of power will seek office. Men who seek power will seek those offices, and that's what you'll get. They'll want more and more power, and that's what you have gotten. And the Bible tells us that if you do this, if you elect somebody, and God allows you to do that, if the voice of the people elect somebody, that they should rule over them, this is what's going to happen. He's going to take and take and take and take and take and take. And then in the day when you cry out, God will not hear you. He tells you that. It's laid out very clearly in the book Common Sense, quoting Samuel 8. But Americans have forgotten that. They don't study the book Common Sense in high school anymore. And so, yeah, uh, electing somebody, giving power to somebody is the essence of creating a cult. And so almost every government today in the world that I've seen, and I haven't seen them all, is basically the leaders of those governments are leaders of cults. They're, uh, where you have blind loyalty, allegiance. Can you imagine swearing to obey somebody no matter what they say? That's, that's the essence of a cult. Seek righteousness. That's what you want to do. Your allegiance is to righteousness, not to men. Not to Cain, not to Nimrod, not to Pharaoh, not to Caesar. Now, if you've sworn those allegiances, you may be stuck for a while. I don't know if that answered his question, uh, but I think it did. <laughs> <laughs> We will hope so. I haven't seen a response. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not interested in telling people vote or not vote. I'm talking about the precepts of voting. Uh, I believe that if you elect a congregational leader, he's not a ruler. He, he can't exercise authority one over the other. That becomes a governing body, organization, organized from the bottom up. You're still in charge. If you elect somebody who can exercise authority in another organization, such as a government or a union or, uh, I mean, you can, you, there's all kinds of things you can be electing people to do. You know, uh, if you are uh, uh, have stock in a company, Ford Motor Company, on this day in history, Ford Motor Company Incorporated, you have stock in Ford Motor Company, you can vote for the board of directors in the Ford Motor Company. And and they will exercise the authority over the Ford Motor Company and your investment. That's better than electing somebody who can exercise authority over your neighbor. Because, <laughs> see, in the modern government, you're the invested commodity, <laughs> not, not a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars in stock shares. You're actually the share. You're the commodity. And in order to create a government system like that, 
you have to, in principle, covet your neighbor's goods. You have one purse, and you're in it. And the net is spread before the bird, and you, it is your blood that will be taken. That's what Proverbs is telling us. I mean, I see that principle repeated over and over and over again in the Bible, and modern Christians are completely oblivious to it. So, anyway. Uh, we'll throw in an announcement, and unless somebody else has another question coming up in the chat room or uh, wants to call in, I can give that phone number again in case they didn't see it. I lost where I put that. <laughs> and the uh, number access code is 795132. Uh, we only have a couple minutes left. Yeah, there was a question way early on. It said, uh, I'm going to re-listen to last week's show because honestly I didn't understand what he was talking about. Presume that means the guest. Can you summarize the point he was making or trying to make? <laughs> okay, well, we're trying to get him to come to the retreat, which is the announcement I wanted to make. We have a retreat coming up September 29th, uh, uh, Fall Festival, out here in Summer Lake. If you want to be a part of it, you want to help organize it, uh, get a hold of us on the network at hisholytruth.org. Um, yeah, that's how... And we'll have to answer that uh, at another time. He said he's going to re-listen, <laughs> so we're good. Yeah, we've got it recorded somewhere. Thanks, Gregory. Okay, thanks, Paul. Thanks, everyone. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www dot his holy church dot net